You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Do you remember those halcyon days back in January? When every ray of sunshine felt like a warm hug from a celestial being. Skiing, climbing, we yearned for its caress. But now spring is here, and the tables are about to turn. The sun now stalks us like an enormous toddler with a magnifying glass. The burning orb, the Death Star, call it what you will. Just don't be caught out at noon on some edgy crimp fest, lest your feet swell and your tips shred. But Black Diamond has a way to fight back. My favorite piece of BD apparel, the Alpenglow hoodie. Built with UPF sun protection, pits for movement, and a hood designed to go under or over your helmet, and even some sort of odor control next-gen tech to help with that sour fear stink we all work up on the NAR. Or is that just me? Is that a thing with everybody? Man, do I reek after being scared. But frankly, if you aren't basically living in a sun hoodie 24-7 in the summertime, you may in fact be an iguana, but at least now your tongue can go from 0 to 60 in one one-hundredth of a second. So don't just feel the burn, fight the burn. And check out the Alpenglow hoodie and all the great head-to-toe, summer, winter, go-up, go-down, nighttime, daytime, whatever-time gear at BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop. Do you like compliments? Compliments are good, right? From the outright, straight-to-your-face statements of praise to the knowing look and slight chin-jut from your favorite bro at the gym, compliments can turn your frown upside down in an instant. And hands down, of all the gear I pedal on the Normacast, the item that receives the most out-of-the-blue compliments are the splitter hats from PeterWGilroy.com. You know, the ones with the titanium plaques and badges. That's right, titanium on a hat. Peter started making these hats a few years ago and has kept the styles coming with designs inspired by the great mountain ranges of the world. So if you're one of those people with a head and who enjoys random praise from friends and strangers alike, go to PeterWGilroy.com and check out the splitter hats and all the wearable art that Peter creates. Even better, receive a discount and help out the Enormacast by entering Enormo at checkout. That's PeterWGilroy.com and enter Enormo at checkout. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it's it out. Out. I'll see. You really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalus. It is May 9th, 2021, about 10.30 here in Colorado, and this is episode 219 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Genevieve Walker. 
So, how we doing out there, everybody? How's COVID feeling? It's lightening up a little bit, isn't it? Climbing, climbing has remained this, this activity throughout, I think, that uh, we're finally getting the word that you could take your masks off outside, but I think we've known that as climbers for quite a while. And uh, yeah, but how's everybody feeling? Feeling like there's a light at the end of the tunnel yet? We're not out of it yet, but it's starting to feel pretty good. And uh, with that in mind, the Lander Climbing Festival, the International Climbing Festival, is happening this summer. They canceled it last year for obvious reasons, like everything else got canceled. But they're going to try to pull it off this year. It's on the 15th of July, I believe, and tickets are on sale at climbersfestival.org. And so I wanted to get a little shout out because I think we're going. We being not just the Royal We, but the, uh, the entourage, at least part of the entourage is headed up there. And uh, I don't really get anything out of talking about the Climbers Festival. They usually give me some free tickets that we don't really use anyway, because we just uh, go to the things that really don't require tickets. I don't usually do anything official up there, and I don't think I will be this year either. Maybe, maybe I'll have a, a table at the trade fair. I don't know. I don't have a, have anything to sell really, but uh, you know, we just we usually just hang out and talk to people and hand out beers and stickers and stuff. Anywho, going on up there. So um, if you're you're ready to go, if you're ready to to bust out, if you're feeling a little pent up, maybe this is the year. Maybe the thing will go off like crazy because everybody will be ready to rage. Or I don't know. Maybe it'll be subdued. Be interesting to find out. But check it out if you're interested. Coming out west to the Lander Climbing Festival been going for years always a great way for me to connect with you guys the lander climbing festival people are right in my wheelhouse so um yeah usually end up talking to a lot of listeners up there so yeah put it on your list something to do this summer break out okay let's get to the chat with genevieve walker i sort of stalk genevieve walker on the instagram as i sometimes do these days finding out who's out there and what they're doing and what she had to say intrigued me and I got in touch, and it took a while to get it done because she's on the road. She is a road climber. She lives in her van now, lived in her Honda Element before that, and is still continuing to do that. So, yeah, it was a little bit hard to nail her down to even just to talk online, let alone get face-to-face. And the interview gets pretty serious pretty quickly as we sort of talk about Genevieve's role in the climbing community and her role as a sponsored climber of sorts. She's sort of dipping her toe into that world in the last year and what it means and what she's supposed to do. And frankly, you know, the pressures that women get as climbers to kind of represent, and in her case, uh, a woman of color gets to represent her community and in a lot of ways to go out there and be this activist towards changing certain trends in climbing. Yeah, and whether or not she's equipped to do that. I mean, she's living in her van, hand to mouth. And somehow there's this pressure on her to, you know, to be this great climber as well as this activist, as well as this representative of several different groups. And her feelings kind of figuring out what that all means to her. But the really interesting thing for me was kind of afterwards, I started thinking about this interview quite a bit and the pressures that we are putting on these public figures in climbing to... I don't know, literally change the world. And it seems like a lot. It seems like we're asking a lot, you know, especially as we are also asking them to be athletes and to do the climbing and to live the life. There was a point at which I think sponsorship in climbing, at least when I started, meant that 
you know, the climbers who were sponsored were supposed to go out and climb and inspire us to be better climbers. And that was kind of where it started and ended. And now we're heaping all sorts of other stuff on, on them that I don't know if it's fair. I don't know if it's fair. But we had a good chat. I slipped a little bit into old guy advice guy, but Genevieve was nice enough to humor me. And the second half, we kind of unwound a little bit and uh, had a little fun talking about living in a van, pooping next to your fiance, stuff like that. So I hope you guys dig this one. There's a complexity to Genevieve that I enjoyed interacting with, and I'm looking forward to see what she does as she navigates her way through whatever's next. So let's get to it. A conversation with Genevieve Walker. If there's one thing that's held true in climbing for 30 years, it's that you can't kill the damn mythos. That's right. Sportiva's famous mythos climbing shoe is still as popular as ever after 30 years edging, smearing, and crack climbing worldwide. And to celebrate the start of its dirty 30s, Sportiva is issuing the Mythos 30th Anniversary Edition. Same cult classic design, but built from eco-friendly materials and manufacturing, and with a jaunty color twist. How jaunty? Well, you know how those euros roll. What also remains is the comfort and performance of this stalwart classic. Comfort and performance, you cry. I call foul, Calouse. That really is the magic of the mythos, especially if your quiver needs an all-day shoe that will caress your toes like a trip to the spa. Because let's face it, aggressive shoes are great for the short shots, but it's hard to climb your best on pitch 12 when you feel like somebody pounded your toes flat with a ball-peen hammer. So if you're feeling legendary, then have a look at the 30th anniversary mythos and the more subdued flash of the eco-mythos at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. We were just talking about how you, you had been to Rifle, Colorado, nearby. You know, there should be a little bell because I mentioned Rifle <laughs> on the Enorma cast. And I, and I missed you then, and I knew you were around maybe afterwards. But back then, I used to do these face-to-face. And so I was talking about how we're, you know, I would literally stalk people that were in Rifle. You know, like, oh, I've heard that person's out of Rifle. And then I'd try to get out there and, like, you know, end up blind next to him, like, hey, how you doing, you know? kind of thing but i'm excited because I, this has allowed me to connect to people like you who you know maybe won't be coming through in the future or at least soon enough so but we talked about a little bit about how i follow people on instagram to find out where you are mm-hmm. and you mentioned uh, the instagram has become sort of a public diary can you sort of expand on that a little bit what you mean by that yeah so for me like growing up i always kind of felt like i was kind of living for other people in a way in the sense of I always wanted to make sure the people around me were happy. And if it meant to compromise my happiness for somebody else's happiness, I, I thought that was worth it. So I feel like throughout the years growing up and even up until maybe a couple of years ago, I, uh, I don't know. I never felt like I was really true with myself in terms of my emotions and just the way I saw the world and I saw myself in the world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So before moving to Colorado about two years ago, I was on the road for a couple of years, living in my Honda Element. And I started doing a, a travel diary just to kind of keep track of like the days because I remember one guy was like an old man and working at a Walmart in Utah. And he told me to do this because he said, you're going to experience so many things and you're not going to remember even half of it. So it's nice to just write a little, like a sentence down every day about whatever you did. And from that, it kind of turned into just a diary and just kind of 
me being able to write out my life, really. And not even just like in that moment, it kind of I started like talking about writing down things that happened in the past that I never really was ready to talk about. I don't know. Talking about my feelings was always kind of hard. It was just Uh easier just to like kind of throw that into like the subconscious in a way. So for me, being able to almost use my Instagram platform as like a public diary is my way of being true to myself and kind of coming to terms with things in my life and being vulnerable, which has always been really hard for me. It's not something that I like practiced in my family. My family's not the type of family to like be emotional, show their emotions on their sleeves. My family was the type of family where we just wanted everything to always seem like everything was okay, even if it wasn't. It's really hard to live like that every single day, year after year. Um, So I think I'm just at the point now, I'm 31, where I'm just ready to kind of come to terms with my issues and the things that I'm dealing with and myself. I don't know. It's nice to know that other people are also kind of going through the same things. It sucks. I don't I wish that nobody else had to deal with the things that I'm dealing with. But at the same time, it is nice to know that I'm not the only one out there. And to be able to share my story and hear other people's stories is like it's it's helped me a lot, just to say. Well that that's awesome because I I, and and I think we all vacillate between, you know, social media being the end of the world and being some fun entertainment and then and, and then in some ways it's you know, it can become some sort of almost therapy or, or, uh, you know, a way to communicate positively with the world. It's, it's all those things. And it's hard to remember that, you know, it's, it, it can be a bunch of different things to different people, because I think about, you know, someone, I, I don't know if this was when you're talking about like, um, shutting away your emotions and stuff, you're talking about as a young girl or as a teenager. Is that, is that? Yeah. More like teenagers yeah. into college. Yep. Really? Okay. Right. And so, I mean, you know, and social media kind of didn't exist if it was, if it was, you know, whatever we're talking 14 years ago, something like that. And the the power, the negative power of it for young women nowadays is, is kind of astounding as well. So in, in some ways I'm, I'm like, it's refreshing to hear someone, you know, not young, younger than me, but not like a young woman, but still someone who's looking at it with this positive aspect to it and, and gleaning positivity from it. Um, it, it would you say that's a general feeling that you know it's it, like something like instagram and sharing these feelings has been a result positive or a result negative for me it's been mostly positive yeah and i feel like mm-hmm. if i go back and if if i was 14 year old me now on instagram i'm sure yeah. there would have been way more negative <laughs> <laughs> uh negative parts about it um but i think i'm just right. like at the age where you know i've i've experienced a lot and I'm, i've learned a lot about myself and I mean, I still get sucked into it, you know? I still, like, sure. go through and I'm constantly just swiping and I see all these, like, great Instagram booties. And I'm like, oh, I want an Instagram booty. You know, but it's like, wait, no, no, no. I don't need <laughs> – most of these Instagram booties are not even, like, real. Like, I can't compare my butt to an Instagram butt. Too many yeah. <laughs> so I still go – you know, I still get sucked into it as okay. well. Okay, but. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tricky thing. It's I'm 50 years old and I'm – you know, I can – I don't know if I go the booty route, but – um you know, there's just this kind of like uh, FOMO I get for sure. And, and and also just realizing that this is, you know, these lives that are being presented on there are, are the, you know, the very gleaned, you know, curated sort of life. And uh, I'm smart. I'm smart enough to know that intellectually, but there's still like that. Emo- I mean, it's built to, to grab you emotionally. So I totally understand that. But it's interesting because um, 
this happened a while ago that I, I saw this post that you did. I sent it to you when you asked me what we might talk about. And it was one of many, let me tell you, one of many posts that, you know, where you, you don't just mess around <laughs> on your posts. But this one was, was, had everything in it. It was re really an interesting post. You talked about personal growth. You talked about positivity. You talked about um, this idea of imposter syndrome. It just kind of like laid out this whole, I don't know, almost like this whole manifesto, if you will, about, about your life. And I thought, heck, this is where we're going to go to talk. And if that's okay. But you know, you, you, at some point in your climbing career, which I think started what, eight or nine years ago, I think that was in there as well, which we can get into the start or not. But, um, at some point or another, you did decide as one will, um, to become either sponsored or professional or a public figure, if you will, which is a kind of a dividing line for people. And I was wondering about that choice, how much of it was, just organic, these th opportunities started to appear, or if it was, you know, something where you said, I think I can turn this into something bigger than me just being a climber that goes climbing every once in a while. I'm honestly, even to this day, like right now, I still don't feel like I'm, I guess, I don't want to say like an athlete. Yeah. I, it's still hard right. for me to even say that if people ask like, you know, what do you do? Or like, what's your thing? I don't ever say I'm an athlete. Like, I don't know. I just, I just like to climb, you know, I just like right. to travel. This has been my life climbing and being on the road. This has been my life for the last three years. And I never thought almost kind of turn it into a career, I guess, in a way, or have a career come off of this. At 31, I'm still to this day trying to figure out what I want to do career wise. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mm -hmm. know. So when a lot of these opportunities start to start to come up last year, I just rolled with it. So first Mountain Hardware approached me and I was so excited. But I remember even like talking to friends and being like, this is, the, I don't know why they approached me. Like there's so many other people out there that are stronger. There are so, there are so many people out there that are doing more for the community. I, I don't know why they wanted me. And I, I think what I just got out of it was that they were just looking for somebody who's, who's living the life, you know, who's doing what I guess their brand is about, which is just like getting out there, doing the best you can. So that's where like that imposter syndrome comes from. And like I said, to this day, I'm still, I'm still feeling it. Part of me also just feels like with more of these opportunities coming my way, like I feel like I need to almost like take advantage of these relationships and, and do more for the community. And I haven't, I'm not there yet. I guess I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the skills that I have and how I can take those skills and turn it into something that's going to like progress the community in a way. And I just feel like even today I talked to a friend, I'm just like so stressed out because I feel like I, at this point I should have been, I should have been doing more. I have so many different ideas, but it's really hard to take an idea and turn it into something tangible. And I guess I'm, I'm just learning that. I thought it'd be easier, <laughs> but it's not just me. Um, I think, I think everybody, all the creatives out there kind of, have to deal with that as well but that's another part of my imposter syndrome is just feeling that like i have all these opportunities and people are like waiting for me to like do something with it one thing you you know everyone needs to do is is focus their energy on one place which is really hard right when there's a billion things you want to try to influence but what would that look like for you do you think um i mean what what are what are your big concerns in terms of like changing the community or you know, 
changing people's lives in a sense. I mean, what is it? What's out there for you, do you think? So since I do have my SPI and I've been doing more work with that, I feel like a uh, single pitch instructor. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I was like, all right. I don't know, is that a nursing thing? I don't... <laughs> like, even years right. ago, I never thought okay, that I'd be cool. a guide. Like, I never thought that was something right, right. I could ever do. And even after going through the course and passing my exam, I still didn't know if it was a route that I wanted to fully take. Mm-hmm. And honestly, up until a couple of weeks ago when I got back from my last retreat that I guided um, in Mexico was when I, I really sat down and thought about it and thought like, wait, I have this great skill that I, I feel like I'm pretty good at. I, I love teaching. I love being able to get people out and have them experience the outdoors and teach them some skills that they can hopefully use mm-hmm. in their own personal life. So I'm hoping and this is what I'm like, I'm trying to like figure out is how I can use that skill to help get more people outside, especially more like underrepresented groups and children. And not mm-hmm. to the point where it's just like, hey, I want to bring you outside so you can experience this once. Like, I want to figure out how I tap into these communities and get them out and hopefully, like, make it more of, like, a long-term permanent thing. So mm-hmm. that's where I, I'm at right now is trying to figure out how I can use my skill set to help, which is so freaking hard. I, like I said, I have, like, all these ideas that I, like, run by with friends, but um, they're all over the place. Because, like, there's so many things that are important to me. Like, that's really important to me. Figuring out how to make gyms more accessible is another Mm -hmm. big thing that's really important to me. Another thing, too, is just spreading this more, like, body positivity around. As someone who, like, I've always had issues with my self-esteem and and with my body growing up and climbing. It got better for a little bit. But around, like, 16? Um, I started dealing with my own eating disorder with bulimia and that's something that it started towards like the beginning of high school I was always kind of heavier and my mom was so nice she just told me that you know like I'll lose it in high school like it's just you go through puberty and, and you'll lose it and I hit high school and nothing happened so I'd like took matters into my own hands lost mm-hmm. the weight really fast and after high school I entered college and then I started to climb and realized that like I really really enjoyed climbing but it was really hard for me to exert that energy when I wasn't feeding my body with the right nutrients and a couple like instances happened where I fainted and it happened once and then it happened again and it was kind of becoming more frequent to the point where I was like okay like I need to either stop doing this in my body or stop climbing pretty much like my body can't handle both not getting the nutrients and the energy and trying to work really hard. So in a way, like climbing helped me get over that for a bit. But then I got more deeper into the climbing community and started climbing a lot more. And all my friends turned into climbers and just kind of being around like such strong, fit people all the time starts to wear on you as well, especially when you already have a lot of like body mm. issues coming into it. Mm-hmm. So like I looked at me, I was like short. So I like gained some weight back and gained muscle, but like it definitely wasn't a skinny mini. Definitely wasn't tall. <laughs> I'm like 5'2", so I'm short and stocky. 
Um, and I wanted to climb better. So then I kind of started dealing with it again because I thought like, okay, I need to like lose that weight fast. If I can like cut the weight, I'll, I'll climb stronger. It worked for a little bit, but again, your body can only handle mm-hmm. it for so long. So for me dealing with this and especially with it, the conversation coming up more, especially this year with that movie Light that came out, I also kind of want to be part of that movement and part of that conversation and kind of just like help people, especially newer climbers getting into the sport to not try to get so fixated on that because I know I did and I know a lot of other people did and like it's not it's not worth it. I'm still dealing with a lot of aftermath because of that. Climbing's becoming way more popular and more gyms are popping up and more people are becoming Mm -hmm. serious, you know, more people are really trying to like get stronger and like push their grades. And I think it's really important to not get so fixated on like cutting the weight. I I just think about too the, you know, and it's on, it's on the Enormacast. I'll be honest like this, there's definitely this whole culture is around, you know, improving and climbing harder. And, you know, there, there's every once in a while this kind of like lip service to the soul climber and just, you know, but, but it just, it still gets so wrapped up in performance. um, The way we talk about climbing, the way we, praise those who climb super hard and all those sorts of things. I think that, I don't know if that's like worth attempting to change, but, but you do have to have this ball work in the background against these ways in which people are going to try to achieve what the media is sort of telling them to achieve, which one way is to cut weight. Um, and which again, you know, is sort of a temporary fix, but yeah, I can see how it would like leak into someone's brain that this is absolutely necessary not only is it necessary but i think that's what everybody else is doing you know like i think there would be a like a group kind of consciousness even if they're not you're just gonna if you have that in your head you're gonna assume that well that's what's necessary you know that's what's always been happening and it kind of has in in some circles you know yeah i mean i'm like just i'm always constantly i feel like i'm always surrounded by these like tall lean like athletes that are just like crushing so hard and like you know i go i hit you could come hang out with us me and my friends here we don't look like that yeah and you'd be like oh look at all these dads like i got way more going on than they do (laughs) you guys probably crush so hard and it's great but i see that because it's like i i don't need to strive for this thing that's unattainable like i'm never gonna be tall Uh there's no way Mm -hmm. and my body's just not built that way i'm always gonna be kind of kind of curvy and it's weird i'm 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 an extra small and everything right but i still see myself as this like huge person i call myself stocky because i can't call myself fat right but stocky is like yeah, my but, way of, of saying sure. it, you know? yeah and it's it's interesting and, and you know i will i will not tread into a, a man commenting on a woman's body but you know obviously you're not tall okay <laughs> that's not something we can like dance around um i think you said you're five two so and I don't know because all I, I mean, I only see pictures of you and it's hard to tell, but, um, but there's no way I would ever have looked at you and said either one of those other words. So, you know, and I understand that that's part of, you know, it's part of self-image and it's part of what influences disordered eating and things like that. But as maybe a slightly bit of positive influence, it's like not many people or women are out there thinking like, oh God, that, that, that girl's like way too big for this sport or something like that. So um, hopefully you can kind of continue to internalize those messages because um, I, I understand that it's not a, a place that's easily mended just by a few nice words about somebody, you know? Yeah. I, I think it was yesterday I 
posted a photo that my fiance took of me. I posted it because what I was trying to say was I, I usually don't let him take photos of me. I'm just saying because I do not like what I look like in photos. I always tell people I think that I look better in real life than I do through a photo. Um, so I would never let him take photos of me. But this one photo that he took of me the other day was one that I actually really liked. I decided to post it and, and tell people this because it's not often, it's not common that I look at myself in a photo and think like, damn, I look good. So for me to actually like see a photo of myself and, and think that, I felt like was a huge step in like my self growth. Now it's just something I wanted to share with other people and let you know that like, hey, like we need to, we need to celebrate these moments in our lives, you know? Uh -huh. So, yeah, and it's it's an interesting place for me to come again to comment on as who I am and also as a man, you know, and it's it, and also, you know, the empathy thing, it's just not something I've ever struggled with. But that brings me back to like what you have struggled with and, and talking about how you could help other people. I think, you know, with the the film light, you know, Carolyn had her experiences with it. And I think that when you're talking to people who either are in denial about it or hiding it or, you know, whatever else it happens to be like having someone who's there that can be like, listen, here's my story um, is a powerful thing. You know, it, it's an extremely powerful thing and it would put you in a position to probably have a, a stronger influence than a lot of other women. I, I want to help and be an influence in some way. And again, that's also why I've just been like stressing out so much lately is just figuring out like what I can do. So I'm like also working on that as well. Um, again, it, it all goes back to this also imposter <laughs> syndrome, you know, yeah. it's like, I feel like people yeah, yeah. are like waiting for me to do something right now. And it's like, and you're right. It does take time. And I'm, I'm slowly realizing that. Um, but it's still hard. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a failure to like any of these brands and companies that I'm with. Um, I don't want to be a failure to the community. I'm very outspoken. Um, I tell people exactly how I feel. So I feel like sometimes people people in the community are like, okay, now what? You know, like you've said all these things, but like now it's your turn to, to do something about it. You know, the pressure on sponsored athletes, sponsored climbers. I mean, I've, I've dealt with this on the Enormacast a lot. Like the, the whole idea that you have to be the best climber to be a good representative for a company is that's a totally disconnected. I mean, it can be connected, but it doesn't have to be. But I understand how people get into these positions of like, well, now what? Like they're giving me this stuff and I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be out there doing what exactly for this company, you know? And, and a lot of times they don't define it very well for you. You know, go out and, and do what you do or like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it can be, it can be really tricky. But the important thing is that aside from that, to me, you do what feels right to you. And if it feels right to you and for some strange reason, Mountain Hardware is like, no, that's not what we wanted. I mean, that, that's just not going to happen. It's just funny because it's like, I've, I've been through it myself and it's like, well, what do they want of me? You know, like, and even with this podcast, like, what do they want of me? And it's like, no, what they want you to do is do what feels right to you. And I, and I, I would hope that as you figure that out, it'll just become apparent to you, you know? And, and the first step is that you're representing, being a positive representative for this, these issues that you're talking about. You are right now. I mean, remember, we're talking to a bunch of people right now. 
It's not just us. Oh, well, yeah, I know. And it was also kind of weird. Like, I even talked to my fiance like five minutes before coming on here. I'm like, I don't know why he wanted to talk to me. Like, I don't understand. Like, he could talk to anybody. And I'm like freaking out down there. I'm like, give me a beer. Cause like, I'm just like freaking out. Like, <laughs> I've been pursuing you through borders for like what, like three months now? <laughs> I know. This has been crazy. Lately. No, it's super fun. I mean, it's. I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm in this like, oh, give her advice mode, which is terrible. And like, again, we're like, oh, he's like a guy, you know, 50 year old white guy giving this young climber advice. Like I've run into this before. I know when people are like, and I knew tapping on the computer to you on emails, like, you know, she's, she's a little bit wondering what, what this is all about, but it's like, you represent a, a generation of climbers that are so much more aware of all of these things that we're talking about culturally within the sport. It's like, it's something like when I was at like 31, I would go earlier than that. But when I started climbing in my mid twenties, like none of these things were at all on anybody's radar about a cultural inclusion in climbing who had disordered eating. Like it just didn't exist. And I think there's so much pressure on you guys now. If you do choose again to become a public figure, it's it's mind boggling actually. And and I I sitting here listening to you talk about the pressures, like I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's breaking my heart, but I'm just like, gosh, it's so much pressure to do, you know, like you're thinking, you're like, I'm supposed to change the world somehow as a rock climber. Just to say that out loud is sort of absurd, but and yet there is that pressure. So I understand where you're coming from. Um, I hope that you know, it's not something that, you know, gets as far as to take the joy out of climbing for you. Um, but would that be something that you would be worried about in terms of like this pressure that you're feeling or the stress that you're feeling around these things? No, I don't think it'll ever take the joy out of climbing for me. I mean, that's, I mean, this is like my biggest passion in life is, is climbing. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, honestly, it's not even the act of climbing. I love climbing. I like had this conversation right. the other night with a friend. Um, we were out bouldering and chat one night. I just remember being like, if it wasn't for the group of friends I'm with right now, like I wouldn't be here. I would I would have left hours ago if it was just me and my fiance. Like climbing's fun, but it's like having my my community and my friends and everybody around that like makes me want to do this day after day, after week, year after mm -hmm. year. <laughs> um, so I'm never I'm never gonna lose that love. It's also like kind of my way to escape in a way. I just feel like there's always there's always so much running through my head. Climbing's the one thing where like my mind is silent and I'm solely focused on the present, like the next move. So if if I didn't have climbing, like I don't, I might kind of go crazy. So I guess that's kind of unhealthy mm -hmm. in a way, maybe. Like, <laughs> um, but that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> So many people express that same value about climbing uh, of this, you know, getting away from it, like clearing my head, allowing me to to not be stressed. And that and that's why it's kind of interesting to me that in some ways, like it's you've, you've put the stressor on it in a way that that um, and, and again, again, choosing to become this this sort of public figure, you've you've invited this little bit of like a stressor into your world and, and it needs to obviously be worked out. Yeah, especially within the last couple of months, I guess like being more vocal in the community and becoming more known in a way. And I, I'm still on the road. I'm still traveling 24-7. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I like 
go to like a new area or be hanging out with people I just met. It's happening more often now where my friends or acquaintances that I'm, I'm meeting are like bringing up these like topics about like race and especially um, like offensive root names and things like that. And they like look at me and they're like, hey, so like, what do you think? And I feel like I'm always being like almost interviewed in a way. And I'm, I'm like seen mm-hmm. as like the person who's supposed to be the voice for the black community. And it's like when it's coming from a friend that I know, I'm somewhat grateful that like they feel comfortable enough, like, you know, coming to me if they want to like really learn. But sometimes it just feels like I'm just like, being put on the spot. It's like, oh, you're so mm-hmm. you're always so vocal online. Um, like, why can't we like have this conversation now? And it's like sometimes I just don't like I'm three beers deep. This is not the time that I want to like have this like in-depth mm-hmm. conversation because it gets me mm-hmm. really upset. And I, I do get angry really fast sometimes. And like, this is not the time to be having this conversation, you know, or like, right. and it's hard when that does happen. And you always have somebody who doesn't agree and they make that um, view vocal as well. And then that's when I just have to remove myself. So those moments are sometimes where like, God, I wish I wasn't like, in this like climbing context right now you know i just kind of want to like be my van or tent or whatever and just get away but luckily that doesn't happen as often most of the time it's like really great experiences with my friends outside and just doing our Mm -hmm. thing but it's it's times like that where i just feel like i'm sometimes being put on the spot to like provide i guess information i mean it's 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 something that has been in my head for six months at least is, is this idea of that someone like yourself doesn't get to necessarily choose that role. It's sort of forced upon you. And, and I think that, you know, what I just said about modern climbers in general, at least public climbers, athletes, having a lot more pressure on them to do things outside of climbing. That's, that's coming every, from all directions to all everybody. But I think that women are sort of the first tier of getting more pressure to represent, to say the right things, to be this role model in a way that I think guys aren't necessarily getting that pressure. And then I think that, you know, all the people of color that are are entering climbing and getting a little bit of recognition are getting that extra pressure on top of them right now. And I've, I've thought of, I wondered about that. My exact thought, I'm like, God, I wonder if that woman or that guy just, you know, doesn't want that role all the time and whether they feel it or all the time or, or, or those sorts of things. I mean, even with this podcast, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come on here and just be like, so let's get into this whole thing. You know, like it's an important thing that we talk to each other like climbers first, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's another issue or topic in a way that I wanted to Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. make known was I feel like, you know, especially last year, with the BLM movement, a lot more companies, you know, were, were seeking out people of color to, like, add to their mm-hmm. teams, the athletes, ambassador teams, whatever the team it is. And you know what? Like, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I, like, took advantage of the op- opportunities, but I also didn't want to be seen as useful just because of the color of my skin. I want mm-hmm. people to know, like, hey, like, I also have other great qualities and skills that I can offer beyond that. And I mm-hmm. want people to recognize that, you know, like I don't just want to be talking about these issues. These issues are very important, but there's also other issues that are also important to me. And I feel like I should have the 
ability or even like the platform to to speak about those well look the complexity of it is the is is the issue and like you know we we've started this all talking about how you 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 feel like oh i gotta get on board with with you know making my changes and making but what everybody forgets that is putting pressure on someone to do that or or your own is that we all have our own problems to work out in a lot of ways first right we you're just a person like all other people and and you've had these things in your past the the disordered eating and and you may not be in a place yet to help other people quite yet but you're 31 and you have a long life ahead of you but you know it's like everybody forgets that whatever problems you have that person could also have them and and have a whole world in their head that they're sort of dealing with so i think i all i'm saying is like we I think we just all like need to give people space. And I've been using this word now recently, right? These safe spaces to not just be black or to be a woman or whatever, but to be themselves, you know, to be whoever they are for a bit and understanding that they're, you know, this complex person that may have a past that they're still taking care of at this moment. You know what I mean? And to sort of like attack them about some part of the BLM movement you disagree with or something is, is just not fair and it's not human and find it really daunting, you know? Yeah. I mean, the good thing about it now is it's, it's kind of motivating me to also want to do more. If you asked me like, you know, what I wanted to do two years ago, I I would have said like, I don't know. I'm just, I just want to go to (laughs) Mexico in like two months. That's what I'm like psyched on. So it's, it's been a good way for me to like, really start to grow into myself and figure out like who I really am and who I want to be for myself mm-hmm. and for my community. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you said you just did a clinic down in uh, El Petro Chico, mm-hmm. uh, which I was jealous <laughs> of. And uh, what, what kind of, what kind of stuff are you doing down there? What does this look like? Um, this thing that you're doing? Uh, Cause this wasn't the first one. No, was it? this was um, yeah. my third it's through mm-hmm. uh, a company called Space Below Your Feet, based out of Chattanooga, mm-hmm. Tennessee. We do a ladies retreat. So it's just a bunch of ladies from, you don't have to even have experience really with climbing. This trip, we had one lady who has never climbed outside. She's only ever climbed indoors. So this is her first experience right. outside. So it was great. Mm-hmm. And then we had a couple ladies who already know how to lead climb and just wanted to get out and like push themselves with their grades. So it was great to have such like a wide range of um, abilities and experiences. This retreat, we also had a yoga portion as well. So it was a climbing and yoga retreat. And it's just great. We get up, we, they did yoga in the morning. We go and have breakfast, go out for like a half day, take like a nice break around noon. Some people go to the pool. We just like hang out, do another yoga session go back out for another half day of climbing and then come back and all eat amazing food. Sometimes have some margaritas and some beers. Um, <laughs> well, let me, let, let me ask you this, and this is sort of a trick question, but were any of these women disappointed in how hard you climbed or your climbing abilities? <laughs> no, I don't ever <laughs> talk about that at all. No. I mean, that's the whole point, right? It's like you have these other things to offer. And, 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 and that sounds like a really great trip. And I think these women-only trips, which are a little bit new to climbing. You know, I, I guide with Steph Davis uh, for a crack clinic that she does in the spring and fall. Um, but she also does a women's clinic. And 
I'm not at all skeptical about the power of those things. It's it's a it's a really interesting effect to have women grouped together without dudes around. Again, like maybe without this audience kind of feel that you get at Craig's and things like that. It's a powerful thing that I'm I'm completely on board with. You know, so I, when I when I knew you were doing that, I was like already like, well, she is doing something. This is something that's important. You know, even if it's a paid gig, you know, it's like whatever. It's still part of who you are and and what you're putting out there in the world, and it's training you for future uses of those skills. You know, you know, yeah. So it's like it's out there. It's happening. What you're talking about is happening. It was very interesting when you also mentioned that you know it's a paid thing because for a while too, I kind of wrestled with with the whole money thing um in terms of like asking to get paid i guess really is what it came down to it's really hard for me to say no to things i'm one of those yes people i'll just say yes to everything and then i have way too much on my plate and then i end up just doing a lot of things for free because i feel like okay if it's gonna like help the community out help somebody else out like Again, I just I always want to like make sure other people are doing good and doing okay. So I'm always there to like help other people. But at the end of the day, it's like I also need my bills paid. Like I also have bills. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it's it's hard because I one of the reasons why I didn't think I wanted to like really go down the guide route that much is because because of the pay. The pay isn't that that good. Like at the time when I was going to be guiding more, I was actually making more as a waitress than I would have as a guide. And it's hard because it's like, I want to do it because this is something I love doing. I love teaching. I love getting people outside. But like at the end of the day, I'm also like 31 years old and I don't want to be living like a college student anymore. You know, like how long can I go doing things for like the love or the passion of climbing Mm -hmm. before I just can't anymore? (laughs) You know, and that's another reason why I didn't want to guide in the beginning was because I thought maybe that was what was going to make me lose my love of climbing was just like always being outside everybody else but not getting anything besides like yeah not really getting much in return like Mm -hmm. you know i also have to look out for myself and that was really hard for me to to learn um Mm -hmm. so yeah it was just really interesting guiding is a dangerous game in terms of that you know that's a dangerous you know you take what you love and you turn it into work it becomes work mm-hmm. and maybe not what you love anymore. And that, I mean, every guide, I was a guide, I guided for seven years, you know, and I burnt the hell out, you know, and it's like every guide talks about the balance and some, some just push on through and it's what they love and it's, it's their calling. But the whole, you know, I'm going to guide because I love climbing is kind of a tricky proposition for sure, which we've talked about here on the show before, but, and, or, you know, it's like, you know, there's other rewards. It's like, you got paid, but you also got to go to Mexico you know, and, and, and be on this trip. And, you know, and again, those maybe you're, you're supposed to talk about all the giving and all the improvement you're making in these people's lives, but you know, we got, it's, it's okay to be motivated in in multiple ways, you know, when the end result is that, you know, the clients had this amazing time, you know, no one expects you to do that for free. I don't (laughs) think, (laughs) but I mean, it feels like free in the end anyway, because, you know, you spent all the money you were supposed to make like (laughs) on margaritas or whatever. I know. I like got there and I was supposed to leave on a Thursday and I ended up extending Mm. my trip for like another couple of days because I'm like, I'm already out here. I might as well. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what happens. It's almost like the waitress, like the server life in a way. You work all night and then you spend all your money on beer afterwards <laughs> at the bar that you yeah, work yeah. at. So, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? 
but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems it seems pretty healthy, but it, it is it is seems like you're you know you're wandering around trying to trying to figure it out, and it's all pretty new to you. Um, yeah, we, yeah, it's all pretty new to you. I thought by now at thirty one, I'd be in a career for what at least five years and own a house. Mm-hmm. Um, just go down that like typical trajectory that you see yourself going down at like 21. And yeah, things just kind of happened. I graduated with my bachelor's in New York and um, moved to New Hampshire to go back to school. I was supposed to start a grad program. I actually started one in New York and got out of it because I wasn't really feeling it and thought I'd like re- redo it again in New Hampshire. But I moved to Rumney, New Hampshire, which if anybody knows is like really good climbing, like really, really good climbing up in New Hampshire. And I moved right down the street, (laughs) which didn't really help. So I ended up not going back to school and just like climbing even more. And one thing led to another. I like met a friend who was living in a car in the parking lot and she ended up becoming my best friend. And she kind of like almost like guided me down this path of like becoming independent because I always, I I was that type of person who just went from like relationship to relationship. I really didn't know how to like live on my own Mm -hmm. and she kind of helped guide me in a way. Like I didn't really have like a strong female present in my life like that who was just like living life the way she wanted to live it. And I was like, this is great. Like I, I think I could kind of do this. So I like, bought my element and moved into my car and hit the road. And then here I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so wild because it's like, you're, you're telling this story that, you know, if framed, I don't know, in a slightly different way would be this and, you know, or is, but you know, this incredible like free spirit, she's, you know, this, this free spirit that just, you know, did whatever she wanted and let's all admire that. But it, it sounds like you have this kind of like sort of background noise of like, well, shouldn't I be doing more? Shouldn't I be doing more? And I think a lot of climbers deal with that. And and I did to a certain extent, you know, by the time I was 31, I had become a high school teacher, um, which didn't last. But it was that same thing. I was like 27, 28. And I'm like, what, what am I going to do? You know, kind of a thing and went back to school and got my teaching certificate. So, you know, it's like we all deal with it, but it's it, it's sort of a framing issue with what it means to each person. Um, and I don't, I mean, I can't imagine that you sort of regret it all. No, I definitely don't. I definitely <laughs> don't. I mean, I guess the only thing I regret is like, my dad worked really hard to give me and my siblings a like, really good life, the best life we sure. could have. Looking back, I definitely took it for granted growing up, which I think we all do as kids. But now like looking back, I just, I really see how much him and my mom both gave up for us to like try to make sure that we were on like the the right path quote unquote so i almost feel like there is like a part of me that i I need to do it for him you know like i want him to like look back and and be proud of me and for a long time he was not when i I didn't even i mean everything i've done like i my first tattoo is like way below my like hip because I knew that he would be so disappointed if he found out that his little girl got a tattoo at 18 years old, let alone it being like a, a stick figure with some <laughs> weird, crazy things. Right. Like I did so many things that I tried to like hide from him because I just didn't think he was ever going to accept my my different life. Me moving into my car, I, I didn't even tell them. I don't tell them a lot of things. It, there's kind of they just kind of figure out. 
I, yeah, that's just how me and my my relationship and my parents work. I never sit and I'm like, hey, I'm moving into my car next week. It's more like I'm going to move into my car. And eventually, like three months down the road, they're going to realize that I'm living in my car by just like, they're going to yeah, figure yeah, yeah. out like there'll be some clues here. <laughs> yeah. And, <there. laughs> and he was just like not accepting of, you know, me traveling and like working as a waitress for like six years and just kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I got the chance to travel a lot and like go to different countries. And he still didn't care because at the end of the day, every time we talk, he'd be like, when are you going back to grad school? Like, you know, you got to think about right. getting a house and really like saving up and it wasn't honestly until i got um on the cover of scent that my dad was like okay like i see you're doing stuff like i'll i'll lay off just a little bit (laughs) you know what's so awesome about that is it's a total generational thing because i mean i'm older than you so my parents are older than you but still like that's exactly what i did is any time I got a mention in in what was the only outlet for climbing media then was climbing magazine or recognized that thing went in the mail and went straight to my parents like because it's a magazine and they don't know that it's just like this like half ass you know tiny little magazine that's run out of an office by like three people but it was a magazine so it means something you know like, yep that's so awesome it's so funny because it's just like yeah sent you know like this tiny little low cirque mag but he's like okay this is you know time magazine ascend they must be about the same thing and he had, like three <laughs> person of the year yeah. he just wanted to like tell all of his like friends at work <laughs> totally. and like have like all and i, I mean, get it and i'm like great if that's what it takes for you to like kind of accept me more i'll take it like yeah and uh i mean my parents still have a stack of magazines that i was in like they're in my house or they're in their house somewhere like because they you know it was like this one line where it was like so and so and chris Kalus <laughs> did this thing and it's like there it is it's in this magazine here keep it yeah so, i have like awesome. a photo because i really like ping pong and i like went to some like ping pong champ tournament when i was a young oh, wait a second yeah and they like got oh. into the paper for it and my dad like took it like mm-hmm. pr- uh, cut it out, laminated it, still have it to this day. And he'd always be like, you know, you really should have tried to go pro with that. And I'm like, it was some like local ping pong champions. Like, there's no way, dad. I would, <laughs> you know, it's like things like that. He's like, any, if there's any way That's to so- make like big bucks off of it, he's like, you should just go for that. Like, cl- climbing is a waste of time, but professional women's ping pong. <laughs> That that really could have made. It. I even told him, I told him That's about a- this, and he was like, "You know, after you get done, maybe you should have your own podcast." And I was like, "Dad, this is not. I don't <laughs> want to. No, I really don't." Just- I was gonna make a joke that this was gonna smooth it all over with him. I'll, <laughs> I'll give him a call. Um, <laughs> You know, that's 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 really funny. I, I love it because it's it, like I said, it's still a lasting generational thing, and it won't last again. Um, the next gener, we we will not do that with our kids. Like, oh, climbing magazine, yeah, oh, I don't know. Uh, are you, you know, are you keeping your grades up? Yeah. But um, you know, it's funny that you you went into that 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 sort of tangent about your family because that's a standard, enormous cast question. Really, is because I'm always curious. Um, and and I think again, the pressure on women to sort of live a normal you know, whatever prescribed societal life has always been bigger than guys. Guys, you know, even a hundred years ago where it was it's like, yeah, you go out and do this thing, but you lady go and, you know, have a family and all that sort of thing. We all know that. So 
it's always a question I have when when I start to get that hint of of a family you know tension around someone's choices because yeah living in your car it seems romantic to climbers it doesn't seem romantic to anybody else no. in the world you know mm-hmm. yeah it's funny it's a funny thing you know and we joke about it and like you know even sort of get a little offensive about it calling it homelessness or whatever which is inappropriate but but we're the only ones who romanticize it and like you know the fact that you had an element can even be romanticized into like at least you weren't in a Camry or whatever you know it's like yeah no there's like a whole so it's, like it's funny yeah. club like an element club I feel like mm-hmm. you know and you like see somebody else with an element and then you always yeah. like check yeah. to see if they have back seats and you like hope that they don't because mm-hmm. then you're not mm-hmm. using that element too it's like full potential right. all of our siblings are nine years apart so like my older sister mm-hmm. did the family thing my younger brother is doing the career thing and I'm just like the weird middle child you know just rebelling <laughs> so what'd you say your si- your siblings are how nine far apart? years we're all nine years nine yeah. years yeah you so wait they had three kids over 18 years <laughs> holy cow all right that's that's a little odd there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> okay we're uh so yeah like like i said my sister did the family thing with two kids um my dad was hoping i was gonna go down the like more career path which i didn't so my little brother is um a correctional officer in a jail right now which is Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. insane i don't know how he's doing it at 22 years old like that's insane but that sounds yeah actually yeah Yeah. so what what are their what's what are their um you know input to your to your lifestyle are they interested in it or or, uh, yeah, my sister, me and my sister, we all, me and my, all my siblings get along pretty well. But right. my sister and I had many conversations and she, you know, she wishes she could do more. But it's hard when you have like two kids right? Um, and you work mm-hmm. full time. And But she she loves it. We always talk about right. trying to do a trip together. And my little brother and I butted heads, I feel like, for a while before he graduated. Um, he didn't really, I feel like, accepted my life. But mm-hmm. recently, now that he's like working and he's working with a bunch of like, compared to him, his age, a lot of really old dudes, you know, and they're all right. white dudes. They're in a jail. So like, there's just a lot of different personalities that come along with that type of work. Um, and he deals. With- <laughs> That's a nice way to put that. <laughs> he deals with a lot. And I like have to hear his stories. And I just feel bad. Cause I'm like, you don't get to be, you don't get to be 22. You're an adult, but you're still young. And my dad was a cop. Mm. So I kind of, in a way feel like he's just kind of following my dad's, I guess, life in a way. And right. I feel like we're almost like two extremes, right? My, my little brother is going down that extreme. Mm. And I'm on the opposite end of the extreme right. where I'm just kind of like to, in his eyes, just like, living life all willy-nilly and you know like everything's all unicorns yeah. and but it's like not so <laughs> um <laughs> but it kind of is <laughs> compared to being a correct <laughs> but he also like has way like way more money in his bank account than me just bought a new right, car right. like is able to get a house like i can't afford any of those things like we're even right. i'm just ta- trying to figure out how to plan a wedding and i stressed out today because i was like i don't even want to put down like a couple thousand dollars for a venue for people. Like, I think that's, I, that's crazy. I worked so hard to make that money. I don't want to spend it in eight hours. Right. So like, but for him, he's like, sure, I'll just like make it rain. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's, um, we're, it's, it's difficult sometimes, but 
Uh, I think at sure. the end of the day, everybody is finally uh, coming to terms with the way I, I'm living my life and figuring, realizing mm-hmm. like it's still in the back of my head. It's not like I'm not thinking about all these things. I still want a career and I want to be able to, you know, own a home someday. Um, so I'm not like a complete lost cause. <laughs> I mean, you are, I mean, you're, you keep talking about this fiance. So, I mean, that's a change in your life and, and, you know, soon I think you'll have to make all these decisions as a, as a couple, right? I mean, you can't just go do whatever you want anymore. So, you know what I mean? It's like, there are, there are changes afoot. Oh, it's happened. You know, I went from like being able to live in my car. So like when I first met him, I was still living in my car and he was living in, in Boulder and I would still go off like do my trips and he would get some FOMO. So then he took a trip with me in my car and like really like, like the idea of kind of like living on the road for a bit. So we decided to get a van together and do it together. So we've been in it for almost a, for actually a little over a year now. And it's still hard for me sometimes. Cause sometimes like, I just want to go somewhere else or like do my own thing. And, uh, it's hard when you have to run everything by your partner. Um, mm-hmm. or even just like, I love, we, we get along very, very well. But more recently now, I'm like really starting to appreciate like the little bit of time I do have by myself because I'm realizing we spend 24 seven together. I mean, we we poop next to each other in the van like we do everything together. Um, And I've always loved it up until maybe like just recently where it's like when I went to Mexico, like having the extra couple of days to go to El Salto and kind of do my own thing was so nice. I just haven't had that in a while. So it's it's a change for sure and i'm still like i'm still mm-hmm. getting used to it but I, at the end of the day i wouldn't change it i i wouldn't be able to do this i don't think with anybody else well no the van life the van life couple thing is i haven't done it so i don't know but it it, it feels like gosh that's intense <laughs> that is super intense, intense. and i don't I, I, people have told me that you know it's like um the the smileys mark and janelle smiley did you know they they did like some serious fan time and they all have the same sorts of stories of just like there was times where they were basically going to, you know, gut each other at what, if, if there had been, you know, some sort of weapon handy, you know, it's like hide all that sort of stuff. So it's not, you know, again, it's so romanticized, but well, you know, and, and the van lifers love to, to, you know, take the sunrise pictures of them laying in their snoozy little bed or whatever. But we know that's complete horseshit, you know, about 92% of the time. Or 100%. Whatever, so. We tried, I tried, I remember we were like in the Utah Hills and he was just like taking some photos of the van and like the sunset. And I was like, Ooh, I want the, like the typical like butt sh- shot photo, you know, me like laying in a bed and my right. butt cheeks out. Right. And we tried it and it did right. not work at all. I was like, I'm not meant for this. Like, this is so lame. I can't believe people actually do this and post this shit like <laughs> it's so bad but i will say the one great thing that i which which has really helped our relationship is like when we right. do fight we have to like settle it because there's nowhere for either of us to go mm-hmm. we only have the van usually i like would get in my car and like go somewhere and we can't mm-hmm. so it is nice that we feel like we have to like talk through things right then and there and resolve them or at least just be like you know what this is something we're going to save for the morning but like i we can't go to bed right. I don't want to go to bed wanting to kill you. This yeah. close together. <laughs> in this tiny little bed. Yeah. A little full. A... We can't even like roll away from no. each other very far. No. When, he, when we built it, That's... he didn't take into account that like your head and your feet don't fully like 
that like you put your head in a pillow so there's a couple inches mm-hmm. so he literally made it too small so he has to kind of like sleep diagonal it takes up my space and i'm like dude right. this isn't right. gonna happen he's like you're five two <laughs> yeah. what are you worried about <laughs> well it's funny you say that because janelle smiley again i don't know if you you know those that those names but they're from the tetons and guides and stuff and uh yeah she she actually told that exact story of getting super pissed and like slamming the door on the van and like walking away and then realizing like it's like raining or snowing out and i have no i can't and like had to just like creep back into the van and just sit in the front like face the other way was like as far as she could like get away from (laughs) yeah that's about it that's about it (laughs) yeah the romance that's the you you need to do like a whole separate instagram where you just do real van life and it's just like shots of bedhead and like you guys pooping oh, next yeah. to each other and, and like, like my yeah. shiwi coming i think that would actually just, like, blow peel up over the floor because it happens yeah. way too often <laughs> like it's bad it's really bad we have this like poop smell that we right now that we can't get out of the van because we have a pooper we empty the pooper and it still smells like poop and i keep being like scott did you fart and he's like no i didn't fart i'm like what is this smell and we can't figure out if it's coming from our mini fridge or if there's just like a poop particle just like floating around somewhere (laughs) see this is if that doesn't exist if that instagram doesn't exist you have to jump on this because it will blow the fuck up that will be humongous (laughs) if the the real van life like and not faked like not like oh let's parody van life but like this is actually things that are happening to us every single day would be amazing so i i want in on that i want yeah, I, this this was recorded, so I want a little bit of that action because that's I can't. I mean, I I that, I would I would dump all the van life things just for that one for sure. Yeah. So anyway, think about it when you find the poop stain. Take I a picture can't. Of it. It's been like two days, and it still <laughs> smells. And I don't. I just don't know where it's coming from. And I oh, I can't. I, I don't know. I really am so. Con- I cleaned everything. I still can't find the smell. I'm like, maybe something's dead in the hood of our car and it's like coming through the vents. But it, it smells like poo. It doesn't even smell like something's dead. It literally just smells like a turd. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, when I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Oh, please. <laughs> I, I have a four year old. I deal with plenty of poop. Maybe I could come and consult. <laughs> Be like, oh, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> poop sultans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, awesome. I don't know if we have any, anything to top that. Um, so, uh, um, I, you know, again, this, this one sort of, I mean, we, we have this generational difference with us. And hopefully I didn't get on the whole advice train a little bit too much. But it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. and. You know, I think that you're putting great stuff out in the world. Being a role model is not, you know, without its own merits. And uh, I think you're doing that that perfectly on Instagram and, and wherever else you can do it. So I hope you keep it up and I hope you keep this love for the road and for climbing alive as long as yeah, you can. Yeah, I don't see it changing anytime soon. So, I mean, I've been doing it. This will be almost going on, I think, like four years for me. And this is like year one and a half for Scott. So Scott's psyched. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, it'd be nice to maybe like have a house so I can have, you know, my like kitchen gadgets. And he's like, nah, I want another couple of years. So I think we're going to be in this for a while. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's an inspiration uh, to us sedentary dads anyway, kind of reliving our old life. So, um, you know, being an inspiration and uh, 
that sort of thing has its own merit. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully, it. like people just know that you know I I sometimes don't know any more than you. So like, please don't think that you can, I'm just going to be like this person with all the knowledge. You know, I grew up in the same school system as you, and I'm like almost having to like you know relearn history in a way. You know, I'm learning just as much as you. So just because I'm a robot on model doesn't mean that like I'm perfect. By all means, I'm like the farthest from <laughs> like. I make just as many mistakes as anybody else. Um, but I'm just trying to learn from it, you know? All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Genevieve for sitting down. I managed to somehow get a mic sent to a place that she was going to pass through. I had to, like, airdrop it with a parachute into someone's chimney, essentially not her house because she doesn't have a house. But anyway, we got it done and I appreciate that. And since then, we've exchanged a couple laughs over some van life photos where the dawn glow is perfect and men and women are waking up just clothed enough to get past the Instagram sensors, perfectly quaffed, everything in its place, which as we know from camping, anywhere in a van that's not how it works at all (laughs) it's all dank in the van you guys have been like breathing all night in this tiny space so somebody's like gagging and trying to get a window open to get a little bit of air in there (laughs) oh yeah you haven't taken a shower in a few days great um yeah so hopefully uh genevieve will be inspired to start that real van life instagram feed because i'm there for that all day Hope your van life is going well, even if it's just a weekend van life. And even if your van life occurs in a 98 Civic, I don't care how you get to the climbing. Just go climbing, have a lot of fun, be safe, and check your knots. All of them. Even the metaphorical ones. Hell, especially the metaphorical ones. I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. So uh, my father's in the Army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, So what I've been doing lately is kickboxing.